through the fire. Shame is a really tough emotion to tolerate. It's poor and it's ineffective. And the problem is, shaming someone actually doesn't work. Really, how is that any different than bullying, Mm -hmm. which I thought we weren't supposed to do? And there's also the fear of being shamed if you opt not to vaccinate. So, you know, we're going by the science here. I mean, this is still a 99% of people get well. So why are we having these intrusive things into our lives Mm -hmm. when we have the freedom to deal with the information ourselves? Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke, of the cultural confusions of the world today. Talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello everybody. I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. And this is Through the Fire. Through the Fire. Yes, it is. So listen, today I want to discuss something that I think everyone can relate to in one way or another right now. And that is the issue of whether or not to get the COVID vaccine. I think everyone can relate to that. Yes. And and there's some shaming that's involved with the decision. I mean, we've struggled, you and I, with how to gather for major life events or Mm. whether to gather at all, even prior to the vaccine being available. And we still struggle with those decisions, right? Well, especially because, you know, like you said, loved ones were involved in these things. We were trying to figure out whether we should go forward with these things, the the risks involved and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, But again, life has to go on, too. Right. Know? And mm-hmm. in light of the COVID restrictions, conventions and vaccination protocols, mm-hmm. they're very confusing. They right. vary from location to location, state to state. So recently, um, I struggled, seriously struggled with whether or not to get vaccinated mm-hmm. because the vaccine is so new, right? right? I asked myself, will it negatively impact my health? What right. is the risk of that? Should I let others who are more vulnerable get it before me? Mm-hmm. I mean, even if the state protocol says that I'm eligible before they are, I mean, should I hold myself to a higher accountability than yeah, yeah. what the state or law says, right? So am I being irresponsible in not getting it? You know, on top of that, there's guilt. Okay, it's self-imposed, I'll grant you but guilt about getting vaccinated before you, my husband, even get vaccinated. Yeah, I'm still, it's amazing <laughs> as a pastor that I'm so far down the list, you know, because I mean, I should be able to go to hospital calls and visit with my people. But, you know, I just recently, President Biden said everyone can receive it in the merry month of May. So maybe wait, you know, and we'll hold hands and we'll get it together, right? What do you think? Sure, why not? <laughs> well, you'll but already actually, be vaccinated. By well, then. no, listen, uh, okay. actually, while you're away, mm. I made the very scary decision. It was scary to me um, to get it. And I went ahead and made that decision based upon the state of Missouri's protocol. Okay. Okay. So I shared my decision with a few friends and acquaintances who live in other states. And a few of them, you know, they weren't trying to be mean or malicious in any way. But they, you know, it was discussion because a lot of people need to discuss this right now. Right. So they said, you're not you know, blankety-blank years of age, you know, depending on where they lived, what the criteria was, and, you know, so how did you get it, or why did you get it? You know, sometimes it it was suggested that maybe I didn't fall into a vulnerable category, and so I should have left the limited supply, you know, to those who are more vulnerable. You know, it's amazing, too, though, that they're saying you might not be able to travel now unless you get it. They're going to start making you carry certain passports, and yet... I should just wait? What should I do? Just stay in my house until, right. you know, when they tell me? Right. So, so yeah. lots of things are changing. And, you know, some people wondered if I had jumped the line. You know, <laughs> other well-meaning concerned friends <laughs> Did asked. Did they really say Yes, that? yes. Oh and other well-meaning gosh. concerned friends asked if I have waited um, 
If I maybe should have waited if there was more, you know, until there was more testing done before well, I received that, the injection. That's a legitimate concern. concern you yeah, know. yeah. It's like yeah. I said, they weren't trying to be malicious. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't have this much interest in discussion and opinions about other vaccines that people are choosing to receive, you know? Well, right. Again, because the, the government is telling us this is the most important thing, even though 99% of us who get it will actually be okay. Yeah. Even and, if we don't have a vaccine. But go right, ahead. Right. But, you know, this shows how much uncertainty and fear there still is out there. There's mistrust, too. Mm-hmm. Fear, mistrust, and uncertainty can lead to misery. Mm-hmm. And misery acquaints a man with strange bedfellows. <laughs> That's Shakespeare, by the way. Shakespeare. Well said. <laughs> well, no, you know, I, I agree. I mean, there's a mistrust of the information we're receiving because, again, you were asking, do you really care about me? And I, I, I wish people understood your friends and family are the ones that are going to care about you the most. But mistrust mm-hmm. and uncertainty of the effectiveness, the possible risk factors associated with the vaccine. Uh, you know, and there's also the fear there won't be enough vaccine for everyone, fear of being shamed if you opt not to vaccinate. So, right. you know, that's when you're put in these situations where you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I mean, it's yeah. a terrible place to be, right? It, it really, really is. And then, you know, there's a lot of moral finger wagging and shaming going on these days. You know, I'm not a person and, who you know, makes important decisions on the fly. You know, I'm not that kind of a person. I truly researched and prayed uh, about this uh, an awful lot. I really did not want to take this vaccine right now, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to wait until more testing had been done and more results were given. Or for when I could hold your hand and we could get vaccinated (laughs) together. (laughs) Wait a minute. But you already gone ahead with, you know, by the way, we do need to talk more about this later. Um, but no, but seriously, I, I remember having the discussion even with mm-hmm. our daughter and she qualified for the vaccine early because right. she's a first responder. She's working in traumatic situations. And she initially said no because to, for, to receive the vaccine, she said, I'm going to wait to let others who are more vulnerable than I am. Yeah. I want to get it first. You know, the kid's got a great heart. Yeah, she does. Um, but she was influenced a little bit, too, by the guilt and shame. And, and now everybody seems to have an opinion about this. And right. again, this virtue casting from afar is just not a good thing. Right. And and that truly worried me because, I mean, she has a more supposedly more vulnerable uh, blood type. So you were worried why virus. she didn't get it because right. she was working still in a, an environment where she could have contracted this. And with, she's really with vulnerable. With lots of kids. And the children that she works with, we're, by the way, are from from. International, yeah. International countries, yeah. So they're all... So anyway, I was torn about whether or not, you know, she should get vaccine, uh, the vaccination early. But, you know, the decision was hers to make. You know, the moral finger wagging really needs to stop. Everyone should have the right to decide whether or not to vaccinate without being shamed or being morally, you know, called morally inept or selfish. You know, we do actually live in a free society. It doesn't feel like that right well, much all the time, does it's it? It's amazing. People have seemed to have forgotten that. Mm. So honestly, you know, nobody needs to explain their decision outside of doctors and nurses. Nobody has the right to be that intrusive into your health care. Mm-hmm. I mean, medical and mental health records are private for a reason, people. Mm-hmm. It's mentally unhealthy to believe you should and can control what other people do. Well, and again, I think people need to understand this. You know, we're going by the science here. I mean, this yeah. is still a 99% people get well. This is not something where if you get it, you die. It's just mm-hmm. not that way. So why are we having these intrusive things into our lives mm-hmm. when we have the freedom to deal with the information ourselves? Right. And, and it can't, I mean, you can die. We're not going to say yeah, you can't, no, no, but no, it's not yeah. an instant yeah, death sentence. So, you know, everyone needs to stop. Really, mm. they need to, to point that moral wagging finger back at themselves and look at what they themselves can do to make their life better rather than pointing it and looking at other people and uh, to others to improve themselves. 
Yeah, and you know, it's funny that you said that because I, we both know, and I, I know friends and family members who don't want anyone to know that they've received yeah. the COVID jab because they're then afraid of being judged that way too. And, yeah. and I think that's sad. Um, some people say they feel peace, freedom, and comfort by having been vaccinated and hope they can again soon love, uh, hug their loved ones. But again, this fear of sharing even that information, uh, mm-hmm. it's difficult for them because not all of their family and friends have been vaccinated. So again, this self-imposed guilt um, mm-hmm. and the risk of possible shaming for having gotten it. Uh, some people cross borders to nearby states to receive it. Should they feel guilty about that? Is it shameful? Why should anyone care? Is it anyone's business? If you cross the border to have dental work done, <laughs> you know, would people care? And, and should really, they? Really? That, well, some people really true. need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> please, please cross the please border and get that dental care. Teeth taken. clean now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, seriously, well, thanks for breaking it up. <laughs> but it is tough because people may not agree with the way states are determining who receives the vaccines and who qualifies in the first place. Right, they have different... Yeah, criteria. right. The question some people ask, you know, of why do some people appear to matter more is really asking, why do I seem to matter less? Mm-hmm. You know, so that doesn't feel good. You know, that can feel like shame. And shame is a really tough emotion to tolerate. Shame is something that can really eat people up. And so, you know, but it's a very natural human response to protect yourself, you know, whenever you feel like you're being shamed. And Mm -hmm. what happens is you start to just defend yourself against it, right? Mm -hmm. And so as a result, people, you know, and someone who was being shamed is more likely to dig their heels in or to embrace their own ideologies more strongly whenever, Mm -hmm. you know, they're being attacked. So social media, unfortunately, allows us to seek out these groups of individuals who embrace our similar ideologies and those who don't. And we can band together and we can shame together. Yeah. And again, not good. So why is this divisiveness occurring? Um, Where are all these opinions coming from about such an important, potentially life-saving decision? Um, I mean, some people truly believe this might be a lifesaver for them. So what are we doing with all this? Well, shaming people who get sick or don't follow the rules in public health crisis has been a thing well before Mm COVID-19. You know, it really has. Well, it's easy to point fingers there, right? Right, right. But the warp speed and reach of social media in this pandemic era has given the practice an aggressive new dimension. Mm -hmm. I mean, since this time last year in March 2020, uh, this is when the government first recommended, you know, self-isolation and quarantining as a way to slow the spread of COVID. There began a public shaming frenzy that spread across social media. I mean, people were blaming one another, still are, naming uh, names and shaming others for what they consider to be improper pandemic behavior. Right. You know, people shame, by the way, people shame or stigmatize when they feel threatened by something, when they don't understand something, when they need an explanation, they find a scapegoat. You know, it helps them reaffirm their thinking and make sense of what's happening. That's an important perception uh, during a pandemic, especially one when you know, which feels vague and, and invisible. Let me add one more thing. That behavioral protocols and vaccine eligibilities vary from state to state doesn't help. So allegations of cheating the system usually manifest when someone sees, usually through social media, someone getting a vaccine who they don't believe fulfilled the requirements. I mean, I recently read a statement from a professor, okay, at the University of Pennsylvania who studies stigmatization and pandemics. I didn't even know that was an area of study, but it's interesting, especially Mm -hmm. right now it's relevant. And he said, there has never been a society that hasn't moralized disease, ever. Think about that. And that's amazing to think about. Well, because you can't stop a virus from, you can't stop from getting it. 
The only question is, can we overcome it? Right. Uh, And so we're going to stigmatize the process of how we overcome that. That's crazy. Exactly. And social media sites like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, they take social pressures to conform, which we used to just impose, you know, socially or through our geographic circles. Mm -hmm. And it scales it to mass proportions, making social pressure limitless. Yeah. And so, you know, is pointing the finger actually a productive way to change others' behavior or are we spreading discord <laughs> at an already distressing time? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, it's what we're now finding lots of different countries calling Schoedenfreude. 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 <laughs> yes. You, you know, the funny thing about it, my wife harasses me all the time about how Germans talk, you know, because I'm, I'm German, 50% German. And she's, of course, Latin. That's why I brought this into you. <laughs> Schoedenfreude. What is it, honey? Tell me well, what Schoedenfreude Well, you know, when you think about it, it's it's the joy of damage. You know, um, it, it's, it's, you know, Germans make up these, in fact, a German word is a sentence in and of itself. I don't you know if you know that. That's why they're German words that are like 20. <laughs> Oh, and then you always got the, yeah. But schadenfreude means finding joy in someone else's misfortune. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a malicious enjoyment or pleasure derived from observing someone else, you know, having a tough time. You know, yeah. when we were in Germany, remember that little girl that took us through Dachau, showed us yeah. the camp. She was, I don't know, she was maybe 19, 20 years old. And the Germans, she had, was deci- a guide. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. Germans had decided to shame everybody from her town so that they didn't think that they were guilty of what happened in it's Dachau. Us and them. But mm-hmm. here's a little girl who had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And she actually felt guilt. It, yeah, she it was could, very heavy. Well, it's, you know, think of like when Rush Limbaugh died, uh, people were making fun of him, even though he died of cancer. President Trump, um, you know, when you think about all the things that were said about him, and even Biden, when he fell on the stairs, people, it, it's like they want to jump in with lots of ugly tweets and comments and emojis to, to shame and to make fun of the person as they are. Right. Yeah. Schoedenfreude. Yeah, shaming. <laughs> no, Schoenfreude can help people feel you know, reassured that they have done things right and right. that the other person must have made a mistake. You know, they've done something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. It puts an invisible wall between us and the person who's sick or who looks like they're getting sick. And it's a false sense of protection, really. It really is. And psychologically, the practice of shaming, let me just say this, um, serves two ways. First, it provides an outlet for you know, someone's fear and frustrations. Right. Cast it on somebody else. Yeah. And second, it provides a way for them to exert some kind of control over a situation. And like you said it earlier, it's already a distressing time. Well, and that's kind of the thing, control. Uh, we can control everything, but that's called tyranny. Um, so, again, it seems to me that this public and moral shaming is only making things worse rather than better. Uh, you know, sociologically, psychological, physically, spiritually. Um, write an angry post on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It may feel cathartic. Mm-hmm. Um And like you're actually effectively doing something when you feel out of control, but there's little risk and responsibility attached to it. Absolutely. You know, so really, how is that any different than bullying, Mm -hmm. which I thought we weren't supposed to do? Um, And then also the shaming and moral policing, it's rampant. You know, this virtue casting, uh, again, like you said, there's there's almost no commitment to it and there's no responsibility attached. So viral photos, videos with rants um, about lack of social distancing on beaches and complaints about maskless employees or, you know, what's up with all this in real life finger pointing? Yeah. 
you know, I would just say, you know, guys, the Eighth Commandment speaks against this. You should put the best construction on everything. <laughs> but by promoting shame or increasing hostility in an otherwise volatile environment, uh, we're just promoting the norm of hostility and aggression as a means of coping, don't you think? Absolutely. And and the thing is, it's it's come on so subtly, right? We just kind of mm-hmm. look at it like it's a coping mechanism instead of what it really is. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's poor and it's ineffective. And the problem is shaming someone actually doesn't work. Did you know that? Well, I I kind of thought that, but... No, it really doesn't. In our society, shaming is often used as a means for behavioral change because it's thought to incite a level of motivation or desire for self-change. I mean, we see this in, you know, fraternities, sororities, different groups, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, we do. Well, I was just thinking of fraternities and sororities and how they (laughs) humiliate you to join. Well, that's the thing because, I mean, it's a shame way, right, to get you to conform to a certain social norm. Mm -hmm. And so right now we have that we see that happening, you know, with with wearing masks, not wearing masks, standing six feet apart, forgetting to stand six feet apart, mm-hmm. you know, getting uh, together in group gatherings. You can only have a certain amount of people at the table. I mean, in actuality, we're really pushing people towards a biological response that's quite common and that we see in social anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress. Yeah, and, you know, and I also think if people think about it, it's also empowering people who now enjoy telling everybody what to do because <laughs> they know they they can shame you right out of the store. That's right. Or shame you right back into your house. Yeah. Wow. Especially if you're a person who wants to do the right thing and you really strive to do the right thing, mm. right? Yeah, that's true. And today it's like, what what is the right thing? Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. You know, shame, first of all, is a primal emotional experience, you know, and it's associated with the limbic system. I'm going to give you a little Uh-oh. here. I was going to say, where, where are we going with We're this? Gonna, just a little science <laughs> here, but I just want people to understand what happens yeah. and why it doesn't work. Okay. You know, that's so this part of the brain, okay, influences the autonomic nervous system. System, right. Okay, the limbic, which is responsible for f- our flight and fight response. Okay. okay, so when we activate that I'm nervous ready to system, run right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I even just saying the word anatomical <laughs> nervous system, I get all flustered. We experience, you know, panic-like symptoms. We really do. Our heart starts racing. We get a shortness of breath, and certain behaviors that are designed to protect us and defend us, you now know, they're being used against us. In right? Some ways, no, it's yeah. it, you know that that gets you know automated. So in fact, that part of the brain that controls logical thinking is literally shut down. Mm-hmm. It literally shuts down. It's less able to function during a high stress mode. Right. So when someone's caught up in a fear response mode by, through shame, their brain doesn't allow them to think about what they could actually do to make things different. So, you know, that's the exact opposite response that a shamer wants and creates a missed opportunity for having a private, respectful, responsible conversation. Mm-hmm. Instead of digitally, you know, or personally chastising someone, it's better to approach them from a place of empathy or a place of interest. Well, and also a place of freedom mm-hmm. where we can make these decisions rationally because there is no perfect decision here. That's one of the big problems I have is people think, oh, there's a perfect decision if we just will make it. No, there isn't. And that's why it needs to be talked out in our communities and in our neighborhoods and in our families. So before virtually shaming someone, remember that social media is just a small curated glimpse of their reality. So you don't even know what they're all struggling with. That's right. Uh, we don't know what safety procedures others are following outside of the photos or photos they decide to share. If, if you don't like the photos, save yourself some stress and just scroll on by. What do you think about that? <laughs> I think that's a great song. Scroll, <laughs> scroll on, on by. by. Do, do, do. <laughs> 
<laughs> actually, Greg, really, that really is great advice. Scroll on by, Scroll seriously. On by. Because the person doing the shaming actually isn't immune to adverse effects either. Okay. And this is this is what I want for everyone to understand. If you're whatever side you're on, if you're on the receiving end or you know, you're the person that's delivering this shame. The more a person exerts shame energy, the more they realize it obviously isn't going to be effective, the more they try to seek that control over and over again. So psychologically, that's quite harmful because in trying to relieve themselves of anxiety, they're creating even more anxiety and becoming wrapped up in a very unproductive and hateful cycle. Yeah. You know, stress and anxiety cause the body to release particular hormones. You know, the cortisol um, hormone can build up. But isn't that, can I get bigger when I weight lift with that? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Really, seriously. I'm just teasing. I know what cortisol is. <laughs> okay, because it's really a harmful thing. And then long-term exposure no, can lead to many health issues. I mean, people that don't sleep, you know, tend to have high cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. I, I have it because of you. You stress me out every day. So, you know, from <laughs> every single day. No, but seriously, you know, having an accumulated amount of stress like this over a mm-hmm. long term a period of time, that can lead to anxiety, depression, and compromise your immune system. Well, and in my work in D.C., all I'm saying is we less group of people we need to be able to co- coerce these kinds of things as the government, too. Right, so it's one thing right. when you're dealing with shaming people, individual people. It's another thing when the government gets involved. So, man, look, there's all kinds of reasons. We should be sharing empathy, kindness, and support on sh- social media. Um, that, that's going to give the giver and the recipient feel better. It's uh, sh- like shaming or criticism. It can also help affirm a person's view or beliefs, but in a healthy, positive, dialogically responsible manner. So, right. listen, it's, it's also a way to sort out uh, and make the world seem like a kinder, gentler place. Um, unfortunately, uh, we need a lot more of that, right? And right. we don't seem to have it during this divisive, volatile pandemic. Right. So. I mean, like even when you think about even meeting in church and supporting each other, we weren't even doing that. And so people that mm-hmm. actually, you know, that kind of is a place of accountability and responsibility. And you have to at least visit your sins. We're not doing that right now. Yeah. You know, and, a lot of people, people aren't. visit people face to face and, you know, yeah, and kind of deal with these issues there. Behind a screen. Right. Behind a screen, releasing our fears, sharing our sins. And unleashing those on people, too. I love that. Yeah, when you be before the altar of God, then you can actually kind of serve one another. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, that's a good good thought. I know. I have these th- good thoughts Thank once you, in a dear. while. Yeah, that's good. So uh, honestly, let's, let's talk about some possible solutions and strategies maybe that we can do to stop this. Mm-hmm. If you're a person on the receiving end or you've been someone who's been delivering, you know, these shameful little finger-wagging uh, mm-hmm. directives at people, mm-hmm. uh, what, can, what do you think some of the things that we can do? Um, to maybe be um, uh, create a more gentler, supportive, loving place um, for people. Well, my first thing is uh, have some restraint uh, because, you know, look, God is at work. He's challenging people to, to seek the truth, and there's a lot of things you don't know about people's situation. That's there's right. a lot of things that you have and no And you don't have the right about. to know either. Well, right. And, and so making a judgment from outside, we're taught this even as pastors, you know, don't judge what someone's dealing with because you may not know the ins and outs of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain faithfulness to things. I'm not saying that it's just contextual, but again, if you're going to get involved, get involved. Find people who are like-minded or that you can dialogue with so that you can make sure that you're really thinking these things through. And then find out people you can talk with so that you don't have kind of a shaming attitude to them, you know, Mm -hmm. so that you can develop a a way of conversing that actually takes other people's thoughts and feelings into account. 
And so you got to start there, I think, don't right. you? I, I, I totally agree. But I do want to make one thing um, known to people that sometimes, no, it's not sometimes. That's just the way we're built. I mean, everyone is like this. You're like this. I'm like this. We, we all are. We have to be aware that, you know, we have these biases, right? And so mm-hmm. we tend to filter things and we see the things that confirm what we believe and we kind of dismiss and ignore the things that, that disconfirm what we believe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we do join with like-minded people, there's going to be heaviness in that there too. So, Correct. But- but that's why I believe, firmly believe, and I know you do too, that, you know, right now with all the wishy-washy confusion that's going on, mm-hmm. we have to really center ourselves on God's Word and yeah, look at God's wisdom. And then you know you're not standing on shaky ground. Well, you know, we we talk about even in marriages, I think we talk about the cord of three strands is not right. easily broken. Well, the third strand is God's Word. So God actually speaks directly to both people. So there's a mm-hmm. third voice in your life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, His more Moral voices, Ten Commandments, those kinds of things. They give you wisdom to look at these things. And by the way, folks, even for Christians, the Ten Commandments are not easy. No. Uh, they hit us right in the heart and right in the it mind, too. They hit you more than me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and that partly is one of the issues that we talk about in our home. But you know, I'm, I'm, Okay, I'm going to abstain from my moral finger wagging right now. But it, but it gives you that third voice because that third voice speaks uh, an objective voice to us uh, mm-hmm. coming from his word. And it calls mm-hmm. us both to be faithful to it as we're faithful to each other. Right. So that's, yeah, you're right. So again, not just seek out like-minded people, but I guess my point was to seek out people with whom you can practice, that you have you have an intimacy with them so that you can get outside of yourself a little bit as you struggle with these conversations. Right. And like you always say, use your God-given common sense. Well, if you're not in the Word, well, you're that not too. people like that, then where is, I mean, how do you get that? And that's, that's how you get it. Well, and the thing for me is, this is an Eighth Commandment thing. I think our whole culture has decided the Eighth Commandment doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, thou shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Luther said, A, don't do it, and then B, put the best construction on it. So instead of just the negative, don't do it, mm-hmm. then you should be the kind of person who says, well, I know them. They, they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't willfully try to put anybody in jeopardy. They're not mm-hmm. that kind of people. Mm-hmm. So if that's putting the best construction, until you find something objectively true that you know they did, mm-hmm. that's to the contrary, mm-hmm. the Eighth Commandment says you're actually supposed to try to put the best construction and defend them mm-hmm. first. That's true. That's true. And that includes even those with whom you disagree in your neighborhood. Ooh, so again, this is Eighth Commandment stuff. If we actually took the Eighth Commandment serious, of course, half a television wouldn't exist. <laughs> the drama, my gosh, <laughs> yeah, the drama. Exactly. So yeah, these are. I mean, these are. The, find some people that you can practice with, so you can have these conversations. But I also think you said something earlier. You said uh, just when you start to hear, feel yourself finger wagging at mm-hmm. people, especially digitally, mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. Because generally speaking, it can't really. You're not actually entering into a dialogue with anybody. You're just putting a a thing out there that's only going to cause more stress and distress and anxiety. Yeah, for Um, people. Yeah, just watch yourself and try Mm -hmm. to put the best construction on things even there. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I think that's very good. And I think because it was, you know, motivated through what I said Oh, I still wish you would have talked to me about getting this (laughs) shot. (laughs) I know. (laughs) No, we actually did. She did. I just didn't know she was going to do it at at the time she did it, and I'm glad she did. But it is amazing to me that I can't get it. I'm still one of these guys. And as a pastor, I think I have a responsibility to be with people sometimes in their toughest days. They're not letting you. And that's a whole other discussion. That's a First Amendment issue, but we'll talk about that another time. So in closing, (laughs) just remember there are two kinds of fire in the world. Yeah, there's one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. 
Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. <laughs> and I'm Greg. <laughs> See, See you, you soon. soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media. FamilyVisionMedia.org.